Hello, friends. Alan Kirshner here from Eschatos Ministries. Since we went live with Bible Prophecy Daily, we have delivered a program every weekday to listeners. With a premillennial, pre-wrath, rapture focus, our Bible teachers are the best at helping Christians understand and prepare for Christ's return. Would you prayerfully consider your regular support of this ministry? You can easily do so by clicking the support button in the corner of the podcast website at BibleProphecyDaily.com. Thank you. You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Well, hello, this is Bob Hunt from Zion's Hope, located in uh, Winter Garden, Florida. And um, today, I want to take a look at uh, Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. Title this one, The Pinnacle of Deception, as we take a close look at who the false prophet is, what he does. But I want to closely look at what he's doing and the idea of deception and his use of deception to uh, really fool the entire world, or at least those unbelieving world, so that we will be prepared for what he's about to do. So we'll examine Revelation 13, verses 11 through 13, where the second beast is introduced by John. Now, the first beast shows up in the first few verses, well, verses 1 through 10 of chapter 13, And he's easy to identify. We see him in several places throughout the Bible. And he is called the Antichrist uh, by a lot of the prophets. Uh, But we can also correlate him to Daniel's fourth beast of Daniel chapter 7. Corresponds very nicely to this first beast in the beginning of chapter 13. But it leaves us with who is the second beast? The beast of the earth. I mean, we can search the scriptures and not find any similar figure. He doesn't pop out of the pages anywhere. But nonetheless, this person plays a key role in Satan's attempt to overthrow the Lord as supreme over all the earth. The second beast will partner with the first beast and be driven by Satan to do his will. Now, deception will be his greatest tool as he leads many away from the Lord. And we should not be surprised. As stated in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, we are reminded of Satan's ministry and his use of deception in all of this. So chapter 11, verse 14 and 15 reads like this. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. And so this is exactly the way the false prophet will portray himself as a minister of righteousness. And he will bring the whole world under his spell. So this session highlights the deceptive nature of this second beast. 
All right, let's see how this begins with the rising of the second beast. Look at verse 11 of chapter 13. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke like a dragon. Again, John sees a beast. It says another beast. What that means is one of the same kind. It doesn't mean exactly the same kind, but his nature will be both evil and demonically powered. The first beast was in the likeness of the dragon, seven heads, ten horns, and he is Satan. The devil is standing behind him. We see the second beast coming up, but a different portrayal. He's coming up, meaning rising or ascending. This is the same term used of the first beast, but not from the sea, but from a different location or a different source, out of the earth. Now, much has been discussed about what does this mean, out of the earth? Well, we know it's not of the sea, and we can surmise that out of the sea means the place of evil and chaos, and the first represents all that is evil and demonic. But the earth gives us the flavor of its earthly, its worldliness, perhaps a connection to man or sinful man. Some say it comes out of all that man can make, like civilization, man's culture, modern society. I think we can rest assured that it represents the very worst of man. It also mimics what God did. The first man was Adam, and he came from the dust of the earth. Well, this man also, yet he will promote all that is evil and speak for Satan. We will find out very quickly throughout this lesson that Satan loves to imitate God in the hopes of drawing people away into the worship of him. The first beast was a seven-headed, ten-horned beast, as I said. But this one is similar in nature, is different in other aspects. Just like the first beast presented to John was symbolic, this one also is symbolic. Notice there in this verse that he had two horns like a lamb. Interesting. A lamb tends to be calm, peaceful, not at all dangerous. Such a contrast to the first beast and especially the way Daniel portrays the first beast, or the fourth beast, according to Daniel. In chapter 7, verse 19, Daniel writes this, Then I wish to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful, with its teeth of iron and its nails of bronze, which devoured, broken pieces, and trampled the residue. Notice how terrifying this beast is, this first beast. What Daniel describes is the same first beast that John describes in the first 10 verses. But what I want to note here is that this second beast is not anything like that. He doesn't appear terrifying or dangerous or as vicious as the first beast. He's coming across as a lamb. One other thing we want to note about a lamb, isn't it interesting, is that what's, that's what Jesus was called, the lamb, the lamb of God. 
I think by that we can see that he's an imposter. He's a deceiver. Should we not be surprised? Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 says, They will, false prophets will be like ravenous wolves in sheep's clothing. He'll present this second beast a religious aspect, not a political aspect or a powerful aspect as we see in the first beast, but more of a religious. He will be leading people to worship the first beast. His appearance will probably be Christ-like, but not his words. He will be deceiving many, leading them away from the Lord. In fact, he will just be a false prophet. John, in fact, uh, a little later in Revelation, in, in verse 13, if we can turn there, chapter 16, verse 13, he says this about this beast. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that's Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, now that's the first beast or the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Here John clearly labels him for what he is. This false prophet is this lamb with the two horns. This is the second beast, this false prophet. He will be the mouthpiece for Satan, the promoter of the first beast, and he will play a significant role in leading the world away from the Lord and into the worship of the first beast and ultimately Satan. Satan's final move is to bring mankind a false religion that will worship him and not the Lord. One of the characteristics that the end is near is the rise in false prophets and their teachings. Uh, but this one second beast false prophet will be a master of deception. Oh, he will be so good that even the elect of God will be listening and pondering his words. It says in Mark chapter 13, verse 22, that even the elect, if possible, would follow. But an elect should not be so fooled. His words, as it says in this passage in Revelation 13, they are Satan's. He spoke like a dragon. He looks like a lamb. Calm, peaceful. Oh, but the words, the words are penetrating. The words are evil. Behind the lamb's disguise is the heart of Satan. He said what Satan would say. He talked like the devil would talk. John, in verse chapter 8, verse 44 Jesus Christ talks about this, something very similar. Verse 44, it says, John 8, 44, You are of your father the devil. Now here he's talking to the Jews who are, who are confronting Jesus. You're of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Listen to this. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Boy, that could portray this second beast so perfectly. Satan will bring forth those lies. He will bring forth that deception behind and through this false prophet, this second beast. His father, Satan, will shine through strongly. Now, at this point, I want to bring something 
to you that you might not have noticed. I want to see the similarities to the Holy Trinity. Holy Trinity is made up of God the Father, Jesus the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit. Now look what Satan has organized right at the tail end. Many people call this the unholy trinity, where Satan is the supreme being. And the first beast is a type of incarnation or a type of Jesus. And the second beast, the Holy Spirit, although not a spirit, he is a teacher and guide into all that Satan wants them to know and believe. He represents all evil. Now this beast, the second beast, will be granted all power by the first beast, and he will teach and guide the entire world to bow down before the first beast, which of course represents all that, all that is Satan's. Well, let's move into verse 12 and see as it explains even more. And he, again the second beast, exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He exercises all authority for the first beast. In other words, he represents the first beast. He does his will. He's a promoter of the first beast's lies, promoter of his blasphemy, promoter of his evil. And he has all the authority to do all of that as granted by the first beast. He has all that power given to him. He does what the first beast does. He supports him, even mimics him. He is driven by the same spiritual power, Satan himself. And again, his goal is to lead people away from the one true God and towards the first beast and ultimately Satan. In his presence means he's before the first beast and under the first beast in his watchful eyes. And he causes the earth and those who dwell in it. I've always found it interesting that in the book of Revelation, those who dwell in the earth really are talking about unbelievers. And if you ponder that for a minute, Christians, those who believe in Christ wholeheartedly, this earth is not our home. We should never be called earth dwellers or those who dwell on the earth. Our dwelling is not here. We are aliens. So don't get too comfortable. We should never be that comfortable. This world should not be comfortable. It saddens me when I see so many so-called believers holding on to grasping, clinging to the things of this world like it was their home. It's not. It's our temporary abode. And this second beast will be leading the world into worship. The unbelievers will bow down and give glory to the Satan, the very glory that God deserves. But isn't this Satan's goal, his ultimate goal, to be worshipped, to steal what is God's? And again, for the second time, we see that those who dwell in it worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. As I spoke the first time, it's wound healing, this wound that was healed, probably some sort of miraculous event or some big facade that fake that, that's a good fake, but it causes the world to marvel or to be amazed to be healed like that. I mean, whether real or fake, 
it doesn't matter because the world is falling for it. This wound will be used as proof that the beast is worthy of all worship. Again, I can only think of Jesus Christ who was mortally wounded and in fact died and rose, then rose from the dead. I mean, will this first beast try to do something else? Will the second beast try to point to some miraculous or at least some marvelous act that appears to be the same as Jesus? We can only speculate. But whatever it is will be amazing and marvelous to the world of unbelievers. As believers, we will need to be aware and watch for it. Continuing verse 13, he, the second beast, performs great signs so that even he even makes fire come down from heaven and the earth in the sight of men. Performs great signs. Greek word is mega, large, big signs that can't be missed. Ones that again are marvelous. God will allow Satan to orchestrate great and powerful signs for the sole purpose of deceiving the world. With these great signs, look what the beast did. Look what the false prophet did. He is worthy of all worship. This will be the mantra, the claim of the world of unbelievers. The world at this point, or at some point before this, but certainly here, God gives them over to a depraved mind, Romans 1. God sends a delusion to the people, to the world. And we see that in uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, where it talks about this great delusion. Uh, Let me read it to you in verse 9. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish unbelievers because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved these are all actions that satan is being credited with the working of satan but it's not hard to see how the false prophet and the antichrist will be able to do these things and for this reason god will send them a strong delusion and nothing happens without God behind it. The world will be deceived. And God will send us delusion. But God has only given them what they want and what they choose. This fire from heaven coming down out of heaven in the sight of all men. It's not hard to see. This sounds just like Elijah, doesn't it? Great signs. People of the world. Even unbelievers will look at the fire coming down from heaven. Look, it must be biblical, they say. Because didn't Elijah the prophet of God do this? Oh, it must be from God. As the attention is drawn to that first beast and guided there by the second beast. Fire from heaven seems rather remarkable and marvelous. So how will people know? No matter how great a miracle or power is or performed, we need always to listen to their words. And that's a general teaching that we all need to adhere to. 1 John 4.1 is a great verse to probably memorize or at least take to heart. 
Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. That's a great lesson. Test the spirits. This false prophet that comes about in the end, that guides, that teaches falsely, test the world as Christians. Test the spirits. Is it from God? Remember, any teaching that does not align with the Bible is false teaching. We don't add to it or take away from it. Nothing new is needed, only the written Word of God. It's sad that many people love the new. I want a new teaching, a new thought. Give me something new. We don't like the orthodox. If only people would use the Bible as their standard today, as they should. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 is another great memory verse. Let me read it to you. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. This is written from Paul to Timothy, but it's also to us from God. Now listen to this. Do not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I don't know about you, but I go by and through many churches that have a little sign up front where the Bible is taught, Bible teaching. But the thought always crosses my mind. Are they accurately dividing it? And I would say many, if not most, are not. They are cutting, the word means to cut straight. Many churches are cutting very crooked to fit with today's culture. Chapter 13, verses 1 through 4 of Deuteronomy talks about false prophets and testing false prophets. So much in line with the final false prophet. It's obeying God, it's following His truth, it's following His words, it's walking in His way. That is how we will know a true prophet from a false prophet. But again, we need nothing more than the Word of God. This first beast will come with great political influence and power. The second beast will be more subtle, maybe appear calm and peaceful. He will imitate what is God's, yet lead people astray through his false teachings. I would expect he'll bring new teachings, perhaps of Christ or other biblical interpretations of God's word. He may even discover new transcripts of the Bible that will overthrow and replace the ones we have. Or maybe he'll say, as many do today, I have a new word from God. Be careful, brothers and sisters, because in a way they will distort what Jesus has already said and has provided for us in the Bibles we have. Both of these individuals, the first beast, the second beast, will act in partnership with their persuasive and likely very charismatic personalities as they move the world to worship the beast, Satan, and abandon the one true God. I like to say that the world will fall into a spiritual trance. I previously mentioned a moment ago that the second beast completes Satan's imitation of the Holy Trinity, but there's another imitation Satan could use. Let's take a look at Islamic eschatology. 
I want to put a caveat at the beginning. This is not a critique or slam or any kind of derogatory remarks against the Muslim people. They all need Christ. But Islamic eschatology looks eerily similar to what Satan is presenting in the latter days. I want you to notice from Islamic eschatology, the biblical beast from the sea looks a lot like the Islamic Mahdi, Islam's savior and warrior leader, a political leader who will appear at the end to bring in Islam worldwide. The biblical second beast, the false prophet, is very similar to the Islamic Isa al-Masih, the Messiah. Many Muslims may in, even introduce him as Jesus, and this will excite many Christians. Finally, they have a bridge they will proclaim, but he's not the same Jesus. The Mahdi's prophet will be Jesus, who will speak on behalf of the Mahdi. Many Muslims who are into their eschatology believe Jesus ascended to heaven, similar to Elijah. So fire from heaven validates their Elijah. Their Jesus will declare that the Bible has been twisted and the world's Christianity is all wrong. He will lead people to destroy all that is Christian. Boy, the power of deception. The Islam Jesus, he will proclaim that the Quran has it right and Islam is the way. In other words, a false Jesus proclaiming a convoluted and false message with a call to Islam. And the world will listen. It'll be swayed and act on his behalf. Therefore, it is possible God could use the teaching of the Islamic Mahdi to fulfill the role of the first beast, the Antichrist, who will rise up and declare war on the Jews and Christians. They ask you, have they not already started the process? Look at the world today, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, Yemen, and other Muslim nations now ready to exterminate the nation of Israel. We recently saw in Iran a governmental meeting where they chanted death to Israel, followed by death to the United States. Many areas of the world see a rise in anti-Semitic gatherings and protests with a new slogan, from the river to the sea gains in popularity. Christianity, on the other hand, and by many surveys, is on the decline. The world, even in the USA, is poised to limit or hinder Christian influence. Those who support Israel are becoming targets of attack. We as a world are laying the groundwork through which Satan will launch his final attack. Shouldn't come as any surprise as again, I want to point you to Revelation, this time chapter 12, verse 17, the very last verse. It says here, in the dragon, which is Satan, was enraged with the woman, which is Israel, or the Jewish people, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Clearly, these are Christians. So the dragon, Satan, will ultimately raise up his head through the power of the first beast, through the power of the second beast, through his own spiritual guiding to go after God's people, the Jewish people of Israel, and those who call themselves Christian. 
The church needs to equip the saints and prepare for this coming deception. We need to pass these truths on, these truths of the Bible on to a lost and dying world. Many will reject this as just foolishness, but some may and will have ears to hear. Powerful teaching as we see here in Revelation 13. Well, this concludes this session regarding the false prophet and his rise to power and his use of deception. We need to prepare ourselves. But for further teachings on end times, please go to www.zionshope.org. There you will find many videos and articles on a variety of topics, including some similar to this, presented by several teachers. Well, until we meet again on these audio or videos, please be a mouthpiece for the truth and edify the saints. Warn the lost. There will come a time when it will be too late to even do that. Have patience, faith, stand firm on the word of God, rightly and accurately dividing it. I'd encourage you also to pray for Israel. Here at Zion's Hope, we have missionaries who are there. We have people we love who are there. It is the eye of God. It is the focal point of the world. They will become even more so as time goes on. But shalom and grace be to you until we meet again. Amen. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 